This morning we will be in the Old Testament, book of the prophet Isaiah, in the 43rd chapter there, if you, um, if you have your Bibles and want to follow along there, or as always it will be on, the scripture will be on the screens uh, before you. I have in, in the office across the street, uh, you know, kind of a cork board on the wall that I use to, to put up uh, reminders and things that I want to make sure that I see. Sometimes I'll put notes up there that, that I just want to keep um, in front of me because as I'm sitting at my desk, as you've been in, in the office, it's, it's to the left. So it generally catches my attention. Um, I also put up some, um, some inspirational things that I'll read and, and you know, hopefully continue to, to take to heart. And because I'm me, I put up some corny and goofy and funny stuff that just kind of makes me giggle if no one else. <laughs> and um, one of the things I pulled off the board for this morning that, that I have um, on, my, um, on my wall there, and um, it's a quote, and, and this is what it says. I'm going to read it because I know none of, well, I shouldn't say none of, maybe you can, but most of you, most of you are not going to be able to read this, but, um, but it says... The trouble with quotes on the internet is that it's difficult to determine to determine whether or not they are genuine. Okay, we agree with that. The trouble with quotes on the internet is that it's difficult to determine to determine whether or not they are genuine. Ascribed to Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I'm really glad you got that. I didn't want to have to try to explain it. But, uh, but, but that's true, and, and of course not true, is that there are a lot of things that we read, a lot of things that, that we hear, uh, that, that we sometimes just assume are, are factual or correct, sayings or, or, or teachings that we, or we've just heard so many times uh, where they're from that we just take it take it to be true. Some of them are, are cultural things. Uh, Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra is the queen of, uh, the queen, the king of the, <laughs> sorry. No, <laughs> that was completely accidental. The king of, of the, the, the kind of the funny, the funny quotes. And one of the, the quotes attributed to Yogi Berra is that you should always go to other people's funerals because if you don't, they won't go to yours. Right? Have you, how many of you heard that? Have you heard that before? Okay. Problem is, Yogi Berra didn't say that. It came from a, a book in 1822 that somehow is, has gotten attributed to, uh, to, to, to Yogi Berra. There's one um, to Mark Twain that says, or is attributed to Mark Twain, that says this. It says, the more I get to know people, the better I like dogs. Right? Right? Anybody heard that one before? Or somebody? Okay, attributed. It sounds like something Mark Twain would have said or written, but he didn't. It goes to a novel from 1822. Uh, Marilyn Monroe is credited with saying that if you give a woman a good pair of shoes, she can conquer the world. Okay, obviously you've never heard that one before. So, uh, but that's what she's credited, but she didn't say it. It's actually, um, the, the most that they can quote is that something Bette Midler once said, that if you give a woman a good pair of footwear, 
You know, she can, she can conquer the world. The idea is, and we could probably find tons of these kind of sayings that, that might have some truth in them, especially the Mark Twain statement about uh, people and dogs, um, <laughs> but, but aren't necessarily rightly attributed or, or sometimes incorrectly sourced. We, we do this in the church all the time. We have these kind of sayings that we say all the time that we might assume um, to have some basis that, that may not be correct. For instance, cleanliness is next to godliness, right? Yeah, thank, how many of you are really thankful? Um, that might not be true. Um, <laughs> there's value in it. But we attribute that as, as something that's in the Bible. You know what? That is not in the Bible. And again, amen. Um, hate the sin, love the sinner. It's not in the Bible. It's not there. Um, God helps those who help themselves. Right, yeah. Not, not in the Bible. Um, Everything happens for a reason. Now, there's some biblical foundation that gets pulled. Please, please don't hear me say. There's, there's connecting points to some of these things, but, but those kind of direct quotes necessarily, uh, we, don't, we don't find in um, the Bible. God works in mysterious ways actually not in the Bible. Now, again, hear me say, I'm not saying there's no truth in any of these. I'm not saying there's not some truth to be pulled from, from these things. But, but we say them very often as if they're, they're biblical truths. And here's another one. God will not give you more than you can handle. It's not in the Bible. And I think that's one that we have to be very, very careful with. Very careful. And we're going to talk a little bit about why. But let me start with this, because I think we have to be careful that it becomes dismissive. Not intentionally dismissive. But what I mean is that when somebody and you or I are, are going through the difficulties, the challenges, the trials, whatever we, way we want to describe it, um, I don't know how helpful it is. Well, don't worry about it. God will never give you more than you can handle. In fact, the response is that I've often heard is people say, well, I wish God didn't think I was so strong, you know, but because it, it, it while we're going to talk about where we can find some, some truth here and, and how we understand that more in a biblical understanding, we always have to be careful that we're not unintentionally dismissive of each other's struggles. Sometimes we, we just need to, to encourage one another in the fight rather than dismiss the difficulty of, of the challenge. So let's, let's turn to Isaiah. Chapter 43, uh, verses 1 through 7. And we'll read here um, some words that, that the prophet speaks to the people. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about where this connects to our lives. Beginning at verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. Who created you, Jacob? Who, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. 
the flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east, will gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, who I formed and made. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that you would help us to hear your words to us today. These words from the prophet, these words of your scripture, these words that are spoken in these moments together. The words that you speak through your Holy Spirit into our hearts. Lord, help us to hear, to respond, and to find your strength in our journeys. We ask your blessings now in these moments. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. When you pass through the waters, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. That's the, the verse that kind of grabbed me as I was preparing. That's the verse that, that became a focal point for me as I was, I was thinking through this scripture as it relates to the things that we started talking about a few moments ago. And it's important for us to, 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 to locate the words that Isaiah speaks. What's going on? in the lives of the people that he's prophesying to? What's, what's their reality? Because to understand the power of the words, we need to understand what, what they're dealing with. And, and this is one of the, the, the scriptures, this is one of the, pro, the words and, and teachings that happen uh, during the Babylonian exile. We've talked about this in the past, when, when the people of Israel have been taken out of their homeland. They've been taken out of the land which is part of their very identity, this land that God had promised to their, their ancestors. And, and they've been carried into Babylon and, and they're, they're kind of in a forced exile for 60 years. And, and it is a time when they're getting ready and God's preparing them for their return. They're going to, they, they're, they don't fully grasp that and there's a lot of despair and discouragement wondering whether we're going to get to go home again, whether we're going get, to get to go back to this land that, that, that God had, had given to us. And so into that, there is this, there's this experience and this, this anxiety and this, this grief that, that God has forgotten them. That, that this experience is, in, is indicative that God has not only um, turned his back on them, but, but that God has completely forgotten them. And, and if you've been in a situation in life where you have felt forgotten, you have felt overlooked, you felt um, ignored, uh, that is a, that's, a, that's a heartbreaking experience. That's a, that, is, that is a painful experience because deep in our hearts, I think all of us long to know that we matter, that we are important to somebody. And who more important to be for us to be important to than God? And so they're, they're looking and they're, they're longing and they're desperate for some sign that, that God hasn't forgotten. I remember, I remember as a kid, a silly thing, just a really kind of silly memory 
the, that I, I pulled from this week. But, but we were at a, I was with a bunch of friends and stuff at, at a church event. It was like a big bonfire. And, and I, for whatever reason, and I was, you know, a youngster, but I started to wonder, if I disappeared, would anybody know I was gone? Would anybody care? You know, I, I don't remember having a pity party at the moment, but, but I was just kind of wondering. Probably a thought that we've all had at some level or other, because I was silly, and I decided, let's test the theory. So I just disappeared. You know, I just went and hid in the woods just to see who would come looking. Now, I, didn't, I don't want to make this more than it was. I didn't hide for hours and hours. I didn't have to send crews looking for me. I just disappeared to see if anybody would come looking, and they did. And, and they did, and I kind of emerged, and they kind of said, well, what were you doing? And, and I lied and said I was doing something else because I knew it would be silly to say, well, I just wanted to know if you were coming, would come to look for me. <laughs> but, uh, but it satisfied this, this need in a moment that I had to know that, that, I, that I mattered to somebody. Well, I, Isaiah speaks to the people, and he is saying to them, you matter. He's, he's saying to them, God's using him to say to the people, you matter. In other words, you are not forgotten. Yes, it has been difficult. Yes, this has been a, a painful experience. And, and it, is, it has come about because of their own disobedience and their own unfaithfulness. I mean, this, this was not God wishing this. This was not God's will for his people. But it was the result of, of their disobedience but but God says to them and and very very you are mine I mean that's that that key verse you are mine he reminds them that that they are redeemed I am with you do not be afraid I am with you and so that is that encouraging word that they need to hear it's an encouraging word that we need to hear in those moments when when Ryan was was little my 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 son Ryan who just went back to college this week and uh we're, we're thankful for his safe journey um, back. But when he was, um, you know, three, four years old, I was an interesting learning for a parent, for a father, to learn how to discipline Ryan based on the very nature of who he is. And, and what I mean by that is that when Ryan would misbehave, would act up, would, would get in trouble, that we'd have to discipline him or he'd get, you know, yelled at, um, the next thing that we learned that we needed to do for Ryan was give him a hug. Was give him a hug because he internalized that so deeply, even when it was necessary. I mean, and often it was. That's part of the role of a parent or a grandparent is to, to discipline and to train a child. So it wasn't that, that it was an inappropriate discipline, but even when he knew he was wrong, he had that nature in him that immediately, I mean, I can remember times when, when I would get angry with him and I would, I would raise my voice and I would discipline him. And the very next thing I knew I needed to do was get on a knee and just give him a hug and say, but I love you. But I love you. Because for him, that discipline created an anxiety that somehow he had lost the love and affection of his, of his parents, which never happened, ever. Now, that's what happens sometimes in us. That's what the people of Israel are experiencing. Have we lost the affection and the love of God? Isaiah says, no, no, 
what the scriptures tell us is that when we are facing those moments in our life, when, when life is tough, when we go on through the grind and the difficulty and the hardest of our experiences, at no point do we ever lose that affection of God. At no point does God say anything less to us other than, you are mine. You, sons and daughters, children. That's the assurance that God gives. That's the promise that God gives. But here's the other part that we need to remember. That promise, that assurance, that presence is not a promise that the road is going to be smooth, the path is going to be easy, the difficulties of life are going to be removed. They're getting ready to go back to the land that God had given to their ancestors. They're going to be restored to, to Israel. But, but interesting, because little things matter as we're reading Scripture. And, and we need to pay attention to verse 2. Because this is what God says through the prophet. He says, you are mine. He, he affirms that. I've redeemed you. I've summoned you. You carry my name. You are mine. And then God says this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not get burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now, here's the important word. When. When. See, what I wish this said was, if. That would be, that would be great for me. Because if implies it may happen or it may not happen. When, very, very different. Very, very different. When you pass through the waters, when you walk through the fire, when you, you face the, the, the flooding rivers. God is not promising that the journey will be easy. God is promising that I'm going to be present in the midst of it. That's what God's promising. David says the same thing in the 23rd Psalm. I talk about this all the time. Yea, when I walk through, or yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when I walk through the valley, the dark days, the difficulty, he doesn't say if. He says when. When I'm there, you're with me. That's what Walter Brueggemann, the, the theologian, said, that, that this text, what God's saying is he's reminding his people that I am with you and I am for you. But that means that God is with us and for us, even often in the difficulties. With and for us doesn't mean that God removes them. In fact, then we go back and, and we study the scriptures and we remind ourselves of the stories that we read from Genesis to Revelation and we remember that God was with and for the children of Israel when they came out of slavery in Egypt and then they were on their 40-year journey to the promised land. But it was a difficult, tough, challenging journey. God didn't make it easy for them. God was with them and for them. John the Baptist, when he preached faithfully and he was obedient to the call of God, God was with him and for him. And you remember, he ended up in a dungeon. Ended up giving his life for his obedience. I am with you and I am for you. Paul, in Acts 27 and 28, shipwrecked as he's journeying to preach the word of God. God was with him and for him. When we affirm that, it, it helps us to understand that God is not the agent of our trials and our difficulties. See, that's, what, that's what's important. That's the danger of the statement that let's go back to, that, that God will never give you more than you can handle. The danger there is the assumption that God's handing out the punishments and the difficulties. 
And, and, I, and I face this in conversations frequently with people who are going through tough things. And they think, what have I done? Why is God punishing me? And I understand that nature. But remember, Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, God makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He makes the, 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 or the sun to shine on the evil and the good, the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. That, that life is life. And if you're going through hard things and life is hard and you face some trials and, and some tragedies and difficulties, you know what that means? It means you're alive. It means you're alive. I'm not dismissive of that. Please, please, please. I'm not, I'm not dismissing how difficult those things are. But it doesn't mean God is doing anything to you. God's promise is I will be with you in the midst of it. That's what God promises. And what we do is we go back. And, and, and um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is the verse that we often pull that statement out of. God will not give you anything more than you can handle. Because it says that God will not allow you to be tempted. will face temptation beyond what you can endure. God will be your strength. That's the promise. Now, even that verse doesn't say God gives you the temptation. In fact, you face no, it goes on, it says previous that God, you face temptation just like everybody else does. God won't let it be more than you can endure. The promise is that God's present in the midst of it. That's what we hold on to. And, and what we do is what we want, what we want, and I want this, is that when, this, when the waters are racing and the currents are strong, we want God to, to lift us up out of, out of the waters. Sometimes God does that. But you know what else God does? Sometimes God helps us to be stronger swimmers. Sometimes God helps us to become stronger swimmers. When I was a kid learning to swim, I can remember my dad doing something with me that maybe your parents or, or grandparents did with you. But we'd be in a pool. It was both my parents. And, you know, as kids, parents will, will have the kids swim back and forth to start to kind of build the the. The, the, the strength and the ability to swim. And I can remember I'd start swimming to my dad, just wanting to get to him because the water was still a little scary. And as I would get close and his hands would be there, he'd start doing this. Right? He'd start backing up so I'd have to keep swimming. You know, keep swimming, just keep swimming. Um, and, and here's what, at no point... Was I ever in danger of going under? At no point was that water going to overtake me because he was there. But rather than pull me out, he wanted to build my strength. He wanted me to become stronger and more equipped to deal with the waters rather than simply to know that he'd rescued me from them. I don't understand all the mystery of how God works and when those two things happen. But I know the promise of the scriptures. I know what the, what the Word of God says is that when we're in those places, when we're in that water, when we're walking through the fire, whatever we want to, to associate it with, God is with us. God is with us. And God's a redemptive God, a rescuing God, a compassionate, loving God. It doesn't mean the journey is easy. It doesn't mean that it will go the way that we want it to go. But it does mean we'll never face it alone. You are mine. You are mine. That's what God says. I am with you. That's what God says. He promised it to Moses before he went into Egypt to free the people. I will be with you. The journey was hard, but God's presence 
would sustain. And throughout the scriptures, it's the promise he makes. It's the promise God makes to you and to me. There's a lot of things that we misattribute to God. This is not one of them. This is what God says. You are mine. When you go through the waters, I will be with you. When you cross the rivers, you will not be swept away. When you walk through the fire, they will not set you ablaze. I am with you. Brothers and sisters, wherever you are today, I pray that word, those words are your hope, your courage, and your strength. Amen? Amen. Friends, let's pray. Gracious Lord, we, we thank you for what your word does promise to us. For what it does say that we are yours and you are with us. Some of us today in this place are walking a tough journey. And it is hard. And we don't just miss the difficulty or the struggle. Lord, but be the strength for each of us. For those who need that special measure of your strength, be their strength today. Help them hear those words as we all need to hear. You are mine. I am with you. May that be our hope and our courage this day and every day. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.